met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face. The blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Welcome to another episode of Subconscious Realms. I'm your host, General Lee. And for tonight, we are about to dive deep into more and more fascinating realms. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome. He is an author and he's the host and creator of Hero Paranormal. Um, it's Ryan Burns. Uh, now then, Ryan. How you doing? Glad to join you, mate. Yes. Uh, finally. I've been after speaking to you for a while, so <laughs> um, where do I begin? I mean, I first heard about you, um, I think it was on Highside Chats a, a long mm-hmm. time ago, and, you know, I've, I've heard you on, I think it was Forbidden Knowledge as well, mm-hmm. um, yep. the, the episodes were um, very interesting, just my kind of thing, like, like uh, I'm going to say weird <laughs> nice and weird just how we like it mate <laughs> so Ryan um, like I know you um, you, do you still have the place inside next to Skinwalker Ranch yes I, I purchased a property that sat abandoned for some time it, it was known as the southern vantage point kind of a place where all of the researchers would go because you had such a great 360 degree view of the entire area there. And since I purchased it, I named it Space Wolf Research. And it's just kind of- Space Wolf Research. Yeah, Space Wolf Research. And we've just used it as a base camp to do investigations, research, and uh, experiment with different technologies and do some scientific work there. Oh really? What? What? Um, if you don't mind me asking, what kind of uh, research was he doing, mate? We have done a ton. Uh, let's see. Um, I've utilized everything from god helmets to god helmets. Uh, yeah, which is a it, it's a uh, invention of a Dr. Persinger, originally made for stroke victims to kind of activate areas of the brain that had uh, laid to the wayside, but what people found is that this particular device or technology would almost without question have that sensation of talking to God or spiritual entities, which um, seemed to almost mimic the DMT experience. And so they, they dubbed it the God helmet. And it's a technology which can be turned on and off, electrical. And so you don't have any of the drawbacks of uh, the biological drawbacks of actually taking DMT. And of course, it's not illegal, which is a, always a plus. And the, we, so we've used everything from God helmets to ancient Peruvian stone heads, the, basically large stone heads that were carved um, in Peru. And we had them yeah. shipped uh, up legally up, up to the United States. And we've placed those throughout the property to kind of use ancient technologies as well as newer, more cutting edge technologies. And to be honest, everything in between, and they all have different effects. So do you, do you use like each, so you're using the God element and you're using these, these, um, these, oh, sorry, we search skulls. They have to Peru, they say Peru, yeah, Peruvian. Mm-hmm. So you're using them like all at the same time, or do you use them separately, or how does it work? Or do you just we mix it done, up? Like 
Yeah, mix it up. You said it. That's the big key is mixing it up and seeing if, if you if you come across any patterns. Right, okay. Sounds fascinating that. I, I, I'm like, what kind of um, what kind of reactions do you get out on what results? Um, or know, does that vary? Does it does it all depend? It really all depends. And the reason the reason we've decided to use such a wide array of different technologies and everything in between um, mirrors, candles, you name it, uh, toys, children's toys that these these what I like to call precognitive intelligences can actually play with or engage with. What we're trying to do is basically anticipate when this takes place and experiment with things that might bring about contact. Contact with, am, am, I, am I correct to assume like some sort of um, maybe interdimensional being, an entity of some sort, is that what you mean? Exactly. It, it oh. is a non no, wow. Not very conventional, but it is. It, it it seems to be a non-corporeal, precognitive, sentient intelligence. And by that, I mean the precognitive part is it almost knows what you're thinking before you think it or do it. And that term, I didn't come up with that term. John B. Alexander came up with that term. He's a retired senior army officer with decades of experience uh, with a wide range of phenomena, and he's encountered things that defy explanation. He was working with the NIDS, basically the National Institute for Discovery Sciences, at, ah, under, right, the, right. Yeah, under the Bigelow administration when they were in the area. And he came up with that name, which I believe to date is the best description for this entity wow. or intelligence. Um, this is like it just sounds so exciting this way um, so how yeah mate it's just it's this is like uh, it's like I'm, I'm almost like speechless to what I want to say to you I mean are we talking like um but not, I, I presume we're not talking about like grey aliens, that kind. Are we talking more along the lines of skinwalkers? That's really good that you said both of those things because the area in general has, at least from a Native American perspective, they have a history of odd phenomena taking place over 15 generations. However, this is quite literally a curse that one tribe, the Navajo tribe, uh, put on the Ute tribe because of an altercation where they were basically sold out of a beautiful verdant valley in San Luis, Colorado, just over the border here from Utah. Yeah. And the Navajos found this completely unforgivable, and they released this energy, this, this curse of what they called the skinwalker to curse the land. And looking at this, this is when, when you're looking at this through the lens of modern science, it's very interesting because there is a lot of evidence. And I'm glad that you mentioned the gray alien because there have been, for lack of a better word, areas that we tend to call portals where these strange goings-on tend to happen over and over again in the same particular areas. It's fairly complex, but being able to anticipate where it's going to happen and when it's going to happen is sort of our goal at Space Wolf Research and get the timing right. And there have been times when, for lack of a better word, other researchers I've spoken with on investigations have come across something that can only be described as a singularity opening up into a portal-like phenomena. And as they are watching this portal open up, they look over and they see what can only be described as a gray alien also focused on the same enigma. They are also looking at this portal manifesting. So it brings together 
a wide variety of different phenomenon. And that includes unidentified flying objects, which are quite common in the area. And we've experimented with, like I said, everything you can imagine, yes. uh, microfluidics, um, cell and molecular biology, complex instrumentation, biological systems. And, and de we've developed some prototype technologies that sort of create an environment for visitation, if you'd like to call it that, from these conscious entities. Wow. Which, like, like, right, if, you know, I, I have never seen anything like, uh, you know, such as like an interdimensional entity or, or anything along that lines. Um, but I want to see something more than anything. I just don't know how I would react if I would see something. And how, how, what kind of entities have you seen, right? And, and, um, and when you first, when you initially seen them, um, how did you react at first? If you don't mind me asking, please. Not at all. It's been some time. My first uh, engagement with these entities was back in the late 90s. And oh, so it's that far back? Is that how, so you must have had this prophecy for a man. while then. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was back in the late 90s, and that was before this location was, you know, gathering so much and garnering so much attention. It is definitely now uh, the most scientifically studied paranormal hotspot on Earth. But back then, it was sort of fresh, and back then there was no no way to explain how raw and rugged it was compared to now. And even then, however, there were strange things going on. The government was also involved. I've since learned that the United States government has sort of used the phenomenon to mask some of its covert technology programs. And in turn, the phenomena has mimicked some of the United States government's special access technologies. So there's a kind right. of a complex dance, you know, uh, that's been yeah. labeled by mimicry. No, not at all. Sorry, um, sorry, mate. Just, just, just a quick one. Sorry to interrupt. Mate. I just want you, just what you're saying then about government. Are we talking about ATIP? Absolutely. They're, well, the general term would be uh, ATIP and OSAP. Both are interrelated, and um, there are significant connections. However, yes, that would be what this complex bidirectional mimicry was relating to, among other things. And um, the bidirectional mimicry implies that investigators of the phenomena are peering through at least two layers of deception, which can cause a major layer of confusion. So you have the phenomenon itself, and then you have this special government access technology, and the phenomena will mimic some of the technology, which makes things very confusing and convoluted. And these covert technology programs really had a difficult time distinguishing data. So there are a lot of accounts of this taking place. And it's good that you're familiar with OSAP and ATIP. I think that's great. Right, well, um, <laughs> I have done a, a couple of episodes with some of my friends, the Cult Rejects, um, and they um, dug into the ATIP side of things and, and mate, it was just, it actually, when you, when you look into it, it's, it's borderline worrying when you think of uh, there's, you know, uh, messing about with portals and on other dimensions and, but it's one of those, Ryan, it's like anything, who knows what really is going on? Because um, you think, is it some sort of weaponry they're after, or you just don't know that you, you you only know what you to an extent of what you you can look into. You don't know what is what's one hundred percent concrete of, of actually what's happening. 
But this when you've true. got, when, yeah, I mean, like when you, this is what I mean, we're speaking to somebody like yourself and you've got a first hand there when you're, I and mean, when you've just mentioned uh, the God helmet and, and those um, stone skulls, it's, you've like sort of, it's, it's just like your, your own sort of, your own personal ATIP maybe your own research in yourself in a way would you say that that, that that's like your approach on, on this i wouldn't say that well yes i mean it's it's wonderful having the most scientifically studied paranormal hotspot in quite literally the backyard however the government definitely has deeper pockets and Oh, they, <laughs> you know, this is all privately funded and, you know, the government, on the other hand, they, they, there's a lot of investigation and, and information that's come my way and they had been text testing exotic technologies, much like you're describing, uh, like radio frequency technologies and direct yes, energy yes. weapons. Hmm? Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, it's like I've heard of the like cloaking technology as well. I mean, it just sounds so fascinating, mate. And yeah, I do believe that there are those capabilities. Definitely. Are you have you are you familiar with anything like that? The cloaking technologies, or have you seen anything, or saying that you want to see it because <laughs> you can't see it, can you? Apparently, but are you aware of anything like that? Yes, of course. Uh, so I speak with other investigators, and one of which is Robert Guffey, uh, who's done extensive research into government programs, including Project Camellio and Skinwalker Connections. And what I can tell you is that the government was deploying toys, in his opinion, and by toys um, on and around this area, toys are a key word for non-lethal weapons and direct energy weapons. So really? there, yeah, so there's, and when it comes to, uh, I don't know if you've had the opportunity to read Robert Guffey's book, Camellio, that I've not made, a, no. Oh, it's fascinating. I highly recommend it to all your listeners and to yourself. Nice one, mate. I will, I'll, geez, I'll be spelling um, the book title, mate, please. Yes, it's Camellio and it's yeah. C-H-A-M-E-L-E-O. And that is named after a project called Project Camellio. And it is very interesting because it is the true account of a heroin addict who sheltered a U.S. Navy soldier who had stolen a special type of night vision goggle. And these night vision goggles, it turns out, had the ability to see through these cloaking devices or invisibility suits as they have termed them. And basically, this gentleman, Dion, found himself not only arrested, but eventually let go. However, he was sort of gang-stalked by arms of the government and the Department of Homeland Security. And basically, they wanted to get this experimental technology back. And right, they, right. They, they used these very psy-opish uh, gang-stalking techniques to try and and get and get this top secret military equipment back so it's a very strange but true story of invisible spies heroin addiction and homeland security it's by robert guffey i highly recommend it i will look for that mate it does sound fascinating um but that like like that that night vision um night vision goggles they sound mint. I would love some of them as well. <laughs> um, yeah. Are you... this, this particular, what's very interesting about that is he is under the impression, and many others as well, that this invisibility technology is another one of those technologies, covert technology programs that was tested out in this area. And there's, there's a lot of others. There's, there's, tons of tech survey studies when you really start delving into it there's high energy laser weapons uh quantum computing and utilizing organic molecules and automation technology 
um, anti-gravity for aerospace applications, I'm trying to think um, laser lightcraft uh, connection to nanosatellites. And there is a connection of what can only be described as cooperation between other elements of the government and this particular area. So when the previous owners, uh, they were by the name of Sherman, uh, Terry Sherman believed it was basically a family that went there to do some cattle ranching, and they basically had to deal with a barrage of paranormal activity, including poltergeist activity, UFOs, cryptozoological variants of different creatures, and basically just overall high strangeness. And he was under the impression that the flying variety or the UFOs were somehow military and maybe had a connection to Hill Air Force Base. And he would sit out often with older technologies, be that Super 8 or VHS, and basically try to stalk these things as if they were animals. What's strange is there were times... <laughs> yeah, there were times... Sorry, man. No, that's okay. There, there were times he would see these lights at a distance, and in one particular instance, he had a, a bone in his neck or his back just sort of pop, and although this, this light was at a distance, this UFO, it immediately keyed into the fact that his, his uh, spinal column had popped, and it immediately was aware of his location. So a lot of these things seem to have kind of almost unreal capabilities. Yeah, it's, it sounds like, like they've got otherworldly uh, capabilities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it really is fascinating. Um, out, out, of, out of all the, uh, the strangeness that you've seen over the years, Ryan, what has to be like uh, the most bizarre, the weirdest thing you've ever seen or ever experienced? You know, I would say that there is probably a half a dozen that would take that category. And among those would be, one would be a wolf-like creature that manifested in ways that were supernatural. And to give you a quick story, I was with another researcher, and we were watching these lights that seem to be scanning the area uh, to make a long story short. And the yeah. lights did, did become aware of our location and started to come up this, this very rocky, barren terrain towards us. And they did, in fact, we hid between these rocks and they, the, the, this one particular light came directly over us. And to describe the features of it, it would be, I don't know if you've seen the movie Phantasm. Um, Phantasm, you mean with the ball? It's like yeah. a ball, what? Yes, with the silver ball. Oh, that's a classic, that, mate. That's, that's going back some years. Yeah, that's an old one. And what, yeah, yeah. When, when we looked above, when we realized this was directly over our heads, and I'm talking seven feet maybe, and we were hidden in this rocky crack, and yeah. when we looked up, this if you could picture three of those silver balls in a triangular formation with absolutely nothing connecting them, but they were flying in formation, that is the best attribute I can, I can give to comprehending what, what was seen before it actually flashed us with an intense light. And after it flashed us with this intense light, we heard a thud or the sound of something landing beside us and we popped up out of the crack and looked over where this desert landscape you could still see the dust from where it had landed and where it landed almost automatically an amorphous uh, spiral of black nanoparticulates began to take shape and manifest and they were dark and almost like gnats or flies or fruit flies or or, or something small and flying, and they, they were spinning, and they became, to put it blunt, a wolf. They, they manifested into the shape of a wolf, 
myself and this other researcher were literally holding on to each other at this point, not knowing reality from absolute insanity and scared at the possibility of what might take place. And I think our fear caused it to then de-manifest. It took a few steps in our direction, and then it began to de-manifest and spiral back into this nanoparticulate form. So that would definitely be one of the top six. Um, another would be my very first account, which was driving along a random ranch road at the time, and I saw what can only be described as an elderly Native American coming down off of a bluff. And trying to be a good Samaritan, I rolled down my window, waited for them to get to the roadway, and I asked if they needed a ride somewhere. They did not respond. They just kind of clumsily climbed into my pickup truck. And within seconds, I was in tears. Sorry, Ryan. It, it didn't, yes, it didn't speak to you. It didn't speak to you. It just got in. Absolutely no that's, speech whatsoever. Yeah. Just, that, that's odd anyway. That interview, you, you would at least say hello or, you know, you know at least um, anything, but just, just not say anything. That's... Um, Go on, sorry for interrupting, mate. What, so what happened after that? Oh, not at all. It, it seemed as if it engaged me in a way that I'd never been kind of messed with, my intrinsic energy. It seemed as if it was going through the Rolodex of like basically like a life review. It was going through the best moments of my life and the worst moments of my life, and it felt as if this entity was feeding off of them or somehow arconically going for those highly charged emotional moments. And I lost a few hours of time, and I basically, uh, that was the first the first experience. So you can imagine uh, that I was interested and worried almost. I had an appreciation for the power of the area. And, cool. and there's a handful of others that are, that are equally disturbing. Yeah, I bet. I mean, you've been there for some years now. You must have gone. I bet you've lost count how many times you've had uh, interactions with these um, other beings or what. Um, I mean, with regards to uh, the type of entities, um, you like, would you say, like along like, like cryptids, would you say, like, uh, like, you know what people say about this dogmen and, uh, and and skinwalkers. Is that something that's common to see around there? It is definitely something that is commonly seen in so much as when, when, when you take the amount of people that have seen something, it will be common to that particular segment. So, right, okay. Yeah. Uh, definitely things such as cryptids, elementals, werewolves, uh, tricksters, basically in nature, men in black, skinwalkers, shapeshifters. Absolutely. Are we talking about the, the men in black? What, um, I mean, I know it's only a, a movie, like, but that kind of men in black word, they're meant to appear like if you've been, you've seen something um, and they don't want you to... Uh, like go to a newspaper, etc. Is that the kind of men in black? Is that is that what they're actually like? Whether you come and they'll ha do they harass you? One hundred percent. That is exactly the type. And whether it's ranchers shooting at werewolf-like creatures and then getting visits uh, afterwards from these men in black, or investigators. Uh, investigating the area and then shopping at the grocery store with their children and being approached by these men in black and being told not to return to the area. There's also cases of the men in black just sort of casing out somebody's home. And this, this is what they did with me is they would, they would basically, I now know who they were in retrospect, but at the time I didn't, and it was quite serious, but many, many tinted out government like vehicles and, um, taking part in almost intimidation techniques, I would say. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting aspect of the whole phenomena. It sounds, it sounds fascinating, mate. It just, but I mean, but just by listening to this, it just makes you want, 
want to look into it even more now. Because you, you hear diff, different uh, reports about Men in Black. Uh, I mean, I'm not exactly sure where I've read it, but there's been like, um, there's some, but not even human. I don't know how true that is. There have been cases. Yeah. yeah, I've spoken with one particular gentleman who was a, uh, a long-haul truck driver, and he came across a few of these entities like you're talking about that did not yeah. seem human. I've spoke with another person who owned a bed and breakfast in southern Utah, just south of this area, and they would have what can only be described as people showing up in these older, black-colored, tinted vehicles, and when they came out of the vehicles, they went into a diner, and they acted very robotic, and all the people in the diner actually left because they did not seem human. They they had robotic attributes, uh, seemed very mechanical in the way they were interacting with people. And it's almost as if they had no social gauge of how to act. They, they, they were saying all the right things, but it was completely unnatural. Do you think, does it, do you think it sounds like similar to like a clone or like a doppelganger of some sort like along those lines? It could be. I don't know. It definitely seems like they traversed and move through into an area that they're not very comfortable acting uh, as, as normal people would act under certain circumstances. Yeah. And, I mean, there's something I heard uh, similar to along those lines, Brian, and it was, uh, have you, have you, are you familiar with Stardust Ranch? Yes, of course, in Arizona. Yeah. The, the, um, he had something in, in his book, he, he had something along the lines of, uh, doppelgangers in a diner or something along those lines. I just wondered if it was like similar and if it's a similar thing to what's happened and what that, you, that you've heard of as well. Yes, of course. There's, there's a lot of strange happenings all in the southwestern United States. I believe Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, Utah. There seems to be an intersection where or a convergence in these high deserts where there seems to be for the landmass or the area an exponential amount of sightings uh cases of high strangeness cryptids etc and someone who's done a lot of research and investigation into this is a gentleman named ben misrick he wrote a book called the 37th parallel which basically goes through explaining some of the attributes of what might be taking place and not to go too far down this path and, and, and off topic, but this particular parallel, the 37th parallel seems to be sort of a UFO highway of sorts and high strangeness where these things tend to take place with more frequency. Mate, it just, um, I've got a Dasmer, currently got a Dasmer, mate. It just sounds, it's beyond fascinating this. Um, you know this this thirty seven parallel. I know it's going off topic slightly, but like how like like where where your place is and Skinwalker Ranch. Um, are these areas? Do they have Skinwalkers as well, or is it just mainly UFOs along this parallel? Or does it does it vary? Does it all depend? It, I believe it's a bit of everything. And according to this paranormal, they call it America's Paranormal Highway, this 37th parallel. And according to the research that's been done, you can drop a pin just about anywhere along there. It stretches from Chesapeake Bay to Santa Cruz, California. And it's been called everything from the paranormal highway to the UFO highway. It's littered with tales of cattle mutilations, UFO sightings, underground military bases, ancient native sacred sites. And the phenomena zone, as they call it, stretches about 70 miles either side of the 37th parallel, roughly. I would say maybe even 80 miles. So the area is 
basically just anomalous real estate. Um, a few odd facts about it is that Americans living in this area are twice as likely to develop multiple, multiple sclerosis or MS than those who live other places. And Seriously. That might, yeah, there, there's a lot of strange goings on. Interestingly, talking about MS, I was on an investigation with um, Jack Osborne, Ozzy Osborne's son. He was up in Utah doing an investigation into this phenomena, shapeshifters and the like, tricksters. And yeah. while on site, we were actually on what is known as Skinwalker Ridge, and he started to lose sight in one of his eyes. And at that moment, he realized that something was wrong with him physically. And since then, he's been diagnosed with MS or multiple sclerosis. So this is not uncommon. Uh, I no had another... It's it very easy, that, mate. Yeah, it yeah. is. And I've had other friends that have come down with other strange cases of physical ailments, such as ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease. So they're does seem to be some physical impacts as well to studying and being in these particular areas and the 37th parallel in particular. Yeah, do, do you think, Ryan, that that could be, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not, not scientifically minded in this, this way. Um, do you think it could be anything to do with like um, maybe testing the, the weaponry? Well, that's an interesting, interesting point, because there are some aeromagnetic and gravity profiles along that parallel that are slightly different from a geophysical right, right. standpoint. Yeah. And yeah, there is a possibility that this may be a better place to try covert technology programs. It's, I'm not 100% sure of that, but I don't know why it wouldn't be. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like you said, it, it's a vast area. There's nothing about for miles and miles. You'd think that it would be, I could be wrong, did they test nuclear weaponry around, I don't know if it's around that, that particular area, but in, in some of the deserts. That's right. And another strange, it, it also has lower light frequencies and it's people that live there have little to no vitamin D production during the winter months. So that may have another strange, um, part in in these physical ailments, but they they are not exposed to the same UV rays from sunlight as usual during the winter months. So there, there's a lot of strange things that take place in that latitude of the United States. I can imagine. I mean, just I mean, you hear the stories like uh, giant wolves, and I'm I'd be interested to know how giant this these wolves are. Are they um? When we're talking like um, a giant wolf, have you actually seen one yourself? I have. And I would say that they're massive. Um, massive. Absolutely massive. I would say roughly 150 pounds and uh, much larger. It, it, have you seen a Great Dane? That, that I have. Be... A, a long time ago, yeah. They're big dogs. Yeah, a that would be the yeah, I would say that that is probably the closest oh, I've seen. Yeah, to the, to <laughs> that's huge. So, are they, and when you see these, Ryan, do they, um, have you ever seen one like shapeshift from being a wolf turning into, I presume, a man? Not for years, I did not. No. And, uh, I've always seen just the wolves, you know, these large right. wolves, which were yeah. actually very common in the area during a different time. So there may be a dimensional aspect to all this. And although relatively little is known about many parts of these wolves, we do know where they roamed. And there are other creatures as well, which have been seen in the area, which used to be in the area naturally, which would suggest that possibly there is a dimensional aspect to this and we are literally just seeing a creature in the same location during a different timeline, which is kind of in contrast to a lot of people's investigations. But these um, 
what you suggested about seeing the actual metamorphosis or shifting yeah. from one to another, I have not seen the shift. However, very recently, I saw what can only be described, and I can't say that I was the first one to see it, um, but what can only be described as a dogman. And I was I was driving. To, yes, I was. Uh, it was late at night. Uh, it was late at night. I had just got done speaking at what's called the Moonlight Gathering in the area. Moonlight Gathering. What's that name? It, it is a group of treasure hunters, cryptid hunters, and paranormal enthusiasts that get together every year and kind of swap ideas and uh, converge on a on a small park and just trade information. And I was heading back to Space Wolf Research uh, at night after this event. And on my way back to the base camp, I noticed that a Jeep, which I know belongs to another investigative group, I won't say who, but they were parked, <laughs> on, they, they were parked on the side of the road looking at something in a field. And, uh, or I'm sorry, they were parked in the middle of the road looking at something in a field. And as yeah. I approached, it was very awkward because they didn't want to move, but then they slowly moved over to the side of the road. And I very slowly crept past them. We were going in opposite directions. And I was looking over back towards where they were looking. And as we passed each other, just creeping by one another, I can only describe what was a dogman ran between the vehicles, so behind both vehicles. So I believe that they had seen this in the field and were investigating it. And I came by just at the wrong or the right time, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, yeah. And when I caused them to move over to the side of the road and start creeping at, you know, a very small pace, and I was doing the same. As I looked in the rearview mirror, I saw this creature, for lack of a better word, jump over one fence line, run across the road, jump over the next fence line, and disappear into the, the opposite field. So wow. it, it's unfortunate that it was, it was, you know, in the rearview mirror, but I still got a pretty good glimpse of it. And I think that it is a very real thing that's taking place. How um, I know I know you have limited visibility, Ryan. But but if you was to uh, just have a, a rough estimate, how big was this dogman? Because you hear this tales like people saying, "Oh, like 10, 11, 12 foot dogman," which seems like I mean I'm six foot three, like twice the height as me. That's a big dude. <laughs> yeah, I've heard those stories as well. This particular uh, thing that I saw was not that large. I would say it was only slightly larger, about your size, only slightly larger than a regular person. So about six two, six three. About that sounds right. about right. About right. about a six footer. Yeah. Wow. Still, right. Uh, I mean, I know you've seen it from a distance, but. I don't think uh, it would be the sort of thing you'd want to see face to face. <laughs> no, and you know there have been accounts of people seeing some of these strange entities face to face, and it does not end well for them. One particular individual, who this was before I bought the property there, yeah. uh, he went out to Space Wolf Research with another group, and it, it's when the property was abandoned for quite some time, and they participated or a few of them participated in a blood ritual of sorts and a blood ritual yes they had some animal blood and they had some special uh ritual information on how to engage in trying to connect with these entities and a few of them did this and they set up camp on this when this was abandoned and empty and this was before i purchased the property now, it was at the same location where we've had other things happen since. And I, I didn't know that this particular story happened on my property until years later. But it was, it was widespread in the paranormal community here. And for lack of a better word, they had a variety of strange things happen. His name was Rich Oliver, and he was with uh, a couple other people, Matt Groing and uh, April Slaughter and a variety of others. And 
they had set up a camp, they made a fire, and some of the things that happened were Matt had what can only be described as a massive prehistoric crab, a black crab, shuffle across the desert landscape and latch onto his leg and take a piece out of his leg. And this black crab. <laughs> yes, it sounds far-fetched. And this should be horrifying. It was seen by all. And it, instead of being horrified by this, they were all laughing about it and thought this was quite funny and hilarious. Uh, and that happens often. The emotions of the participants can be manipulated, it seems, by the energy. And later on, this gentleman, Rich Oliver, came face to face with something that was taller than him. And he, he was about your size, very, very large individual. And Rich excused himself from the fire to go and relieve himself by one of the vehicles. And he had a very amorphous, uh, almost alien, extraterrestrial-looking large entity grab him by the neck and lift him off the ground. And as I said, he's a big guy. And Shit, mate. <laughs> he said... He said when he was looking directly into this entity's eyes, he could almost see like sparkles in its eyes. And I should also mention that there are drawings of this online. If you, if you look up Rich Oliver and Skinwalker area, or uh, you, you, can, you, can find, you can find drawings of this entity that seems very not of this plane, not of this dimension. And he said that he could see what seemed like bugs flying in and out of it. So it seemed to be created by these smaller objects or particulates as well, similar to what I saw with that wolf being manifested with another researcher. So it does seem that when you have these face-to-face -face interactions that are inches away, that it can get fairly dangerous. And this particular person, uh, among the others, they all had what they claimed were nasal implants which is interesting. And, nasal implants. Yeah, and, and Rich... That's very interesting, that, isn't it? Yeah, and Rich Oliver died of brain cancer, which is unfortunate, but does kind of lend credence to that belief that they all had nasal implants. I wonder what, what, the, what that could be from, nasal implants. That's... Uh... Again, mate, it's, it's very strange, isn't it? Um, very strange. Yeah, at one point they did get, uh, what is that, uh, hypnosis um, to try to figure out more about their experiences. Ah, right, and, yeah, yeah. And what they found is that these nasal implants, according to all of their hypnosis sessions, they believed that this entity that placed the nasal implants there wanted them to bring more people out there. So it wanted to engage with more individuals in sort of a uh, reciprocal fashion. So I don't know just how, how much credence to put into that, but I thought that that's an interesting small piece of information. Yeah, it's very interesting. Very interesting. I mean, maybe it was, you don't know, do you? you can't, we, can, we can only assume Mm -hmm. Maybe that they, they were, maybe it was getting us to feed off of me some way. Or you, I mean, who knows? Who knows? It's a terrifying and frightening possibility. It's possible. Yeah, yeah. but equally as fascinating. Just, just the thought. I mean, you, you just don't know, do you? God, it and, is. You uh, know, what, what's odd is the firsthand experiences with things that should not be able to exist are quite common, as you mentioned. This phenomenon tends to mask itself as a variety of different things. It is quite literally a shapeshifter of sorts, the way it mimics other things and can take on different aspects that, you know, you never really know what you're going to be up against. So there, like you mentioned, there's a, a wide variety and it's hard to conceive exactly what you're going to encounter each time you go, if anything. Yeah, I could imagine it's, it's so uh, unpredictable, especially with there's th uh, that many possibilities of different entities. Um, I mean, it's saying you, there's aerial, there's on the ground. Do, do you see orbs as well? 
Orbs are quite, uh, you see a vast number of those, and those yeah. have interesting variables as well. A number of them are different colors. Um, you get amber colored, blue colored, red colored, and everything in between. So there seems to be different aspects to each different color, yeah. and some of them are more dangerous than others. But yeah, you get different variables even when it comes to the orbs. Another very strange and yet somewhat common phenomenon when it comes to shapeshifters and skinwalkers is what they call the whistling man, which is basically it, it, it's someone whistling along the boundaries of your fence line and they're walking. And this is something that Native Americans extremely forbid engaging with and they urge people to not follow the whistling man or the whistling itself or go indoors not engage in any way shape or form another is uh, also a native american myth or lore and that is what they call water babies which is the sound that can most be described as a child crying near a waterway and this water is another babies. one yeah also one to one to not engage with so even though you hear, you know, it's a human response, if you hear a child or a baby crying next to a waterway, it's a human response to go directly to that. However, the likelihood in this very barren and rugged area for that to be actually taking place, it's highly unlikely. So it's quite common, but this is something that Native Americans strongly urge people to not engage with. I see, uh, right. The, the, I'm presuming that you talk to some of the natives now. They, they must have got to know you over the years. Uh, did they actually uh, divulge to what these um, water babies are and the whistling man is? Or did, did they not talk about it? Yes, they, they tend to believe that they are elemental in nature and dark spirits. Elementals. Definitely something... That, that same premise of avoidance, they're immortal entities, and they are to be avoided. Uh, the, the tales of what happens when people do engage with these entities cause a lot of concern, and it usually ends up with the people drowning somehow in the water. Whew, that sounds heavy. The, yeah, you, you, this is, you can understand why they uh, advise on not engaging. It's uh, it is just it sounds so crazy, but still, even though it does not sound good, it's still fascinating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we it just just uh, can I just ask you one last question, please, mate? But, um, of course, skinwalkers are they? If, through, through what you've experienced, do you think there's a possibility that, that um, the skinwalkers are a, a bloodline of some sort? The, the dark adepts that follow the deadly realms of the magic surrounding skinwalkers do tend to genetically follow the same bloodlines. So That's very interesting. In, in a short answer, yes. Right, okay. And are, are they still now, are they still, um, do they forbid to speak as skinwalkers, so to speak? Absolutely. I only have a couple of Native American friends that will actually even engage in the conversation with me. And even then, they ask that we don't speak of them by name. And they have concerns about the confidentiality to protect themselves uh, when discussing it with other people. And in fact, some of the elders are super guarded uh, when right, okay. discussing the creature. So, yeah. Fascinating, mate. It's still, uh, it's still one of those. Uh, one of those entities that uh, it's just so interesting because of the year, the capabilities. I can 
transform into other creatures like birds, um, coyotes, wolves. It's It's, it's, it's really and truly an ancient technology is the way I see it. And I think it's important to note as well, something that is often said is that not all Native American witches are skinwalkers, but that all skinwalkers are witches. And somehow it, it seems like some of these witches turned from being protectors of the tribe and instead, they began to use their powers for evil and destructive purposes. And as mentioned before, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very, very layered and complex situation. Yeah, yeah, it sounds, it, it sounds, uh, it sounds very taboo, but in the same aspect. I mean, you hear tales where they were sort of like, Heroes, so to speak, of the the tribe, you know, back then when, like, when they were at war years and years ago, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, uh, allegedly they used to go like, uh, you know, like they protect the tribe, whereas it's like not what you think from what you hear now, if you know what I mean. Sure, sure, and it, it's. There are some, for, for people that are just horrified by this, which is good and natural to be scared, <laughs> scared of these things, uh, there are some protections, of course. M- many of them are widespread and well-known, such as they hate the smell of burning sage. And it, it reminds me, it's similar to the Wendigo. That's another... Oh, yeah, the Wendigo, yeah. yeah. They also seem to hate the smell of burning sage. And although no one really wishes to ever meet either one of these, it's not a bad idea if you have some sage and a lighter with you when you're in these areas. (laughs) Yeah. We'll be handy that, mate, won't it? (laughs) Brian. Um, Mate, you have blown my mind, seriously. I think this is truly fascinating. You are very, very lucky. Very lucky indeed, mate. Uh, it's been well, an I'm absolute... glad we finally got to talk. It's great talking Yeah, to finally, you. yeah, yeah. I know, mate. Uh, mate, thank you very much, Ryan. Uh, but before you go, do you want to like to let everybody know they can get hold of you, mate? Uh, plug your show, maybe. Oh, yeah. Um, so... You can um, keep up with things taking place at, uh, let's see, you can go to spacewolfresearch.com. That is the name of the base camp. Um, We're also on social media, such as Facebook. Uh, You can keep up with the podcast. It's just a small podcast where I discuss things that interest me, and that is Hero Paranormal. You can find that on Patreon or on YouTube. Please like and subscribe. heavily shadow banned on there given some of the uh, terrifying and frightening things that I like to discuss. Uh, and if you are interested in a book, you can find those on Amazon or go to ryanpatrickburns.com. Brilliant, mate. Uh, thanks again, Ryan. Fascinating. It truly is fascinating. Uh, I'm going to stop recording now, mate, but thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face. The blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep